Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Welcome to all of you here and to all of our guests that are watching online. We welcome you as well. Man, what a beautiful time of praise and worship we have enjoyed in the house of the Lord. One more, one more time, let's give Jesus Christ a big praise, shall we? Awesome. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord. And uh, just before I do that, I just want to say I'm glad I'm saved. Anybody in here glad you're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. I'm glad I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, do not leave this building today until you know you are secure in your relationship with him. He's a good, good father. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, and then we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have it, say amen. It'll be on the screen just in case you don't. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the what of the ministry work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect or mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ this is all about maturity or maturing in your walk with Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And yes, there are people that will deceive. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in what? All things, which is the head. Who's the head? Even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. According to the effectual what? Working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. How? In love. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Same writer, different church. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly joined together. What did we preach on last week? Perfect match. That you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me, my brothers, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now I beseech you, go back to verse 10, by the name of the Lord, that you all speak the same thing, no divisions among you, and here it is, that you may be perfectly joined together. I'm going to preach for the next four hours and five minutes a message entitled, The Move from Contact to Connection. I need you to tell three people, I'm moving from contact to connection. Now would you pray with me just for a moment. Father, we thank you that there is a conspicuous apostolic anointing in this house today. We felt it from the time we walked in the doors. You are in this building. And we ask you, Lord, to help the preacher preach today. Help the people hear what the preacher does not say and help the preacher preach things he didn't study to say. But whatever happens, Lord, we want to be sure that the name of Jesus is lifted up. Because you said if you be lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. So, Father, we lift our hands and we lift our hearts right now and we say be magnified. 
be glorified in this house, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for all you have done in our life. And Lord, we're going to take about 30 seconds right now and we're going to give you a praise for everything you shall do in our future. I need everybody in the building. Bring your hands down. Put them together. Open your mouth and shout to the Lord for all of his goodness in your life. Now I want you to high-five three people and tell them it's on in the building right now. And then you may be seated. In your destiny, there is a journey. The purpose of a journey is a destination. Your journey is often characterized by what we refer to as process. The process is a systematic series of events that will ultimately produce the objective that you have prayed for. If you do not know where you are going in life, then often what you go through will confuse, will confuse the vision you had for your future. So do not let what you are going through distract you from what you are going to. Do not let it detour you from where you are going. Do not be confused by the events. It's all part of the journey. Can you say amen? amen. In the journey, there are what we call contact points. These are not situations. These are people contact points they are not situations they are people there are those that do not count in regard to your purpose everyone counts but everyone does not count in regard to your purpose then there are those that do count those that do are those that you allow to have two things Entrance into your life and influence with your life. Say those words. Entrance, Entrance. and influence. influence. Be careful who you are following. Because you might get to where they're going. Hmm. Who you are connected to is more important than what you are going through. Who you are connected to is more important than what you are going through. Every acquaintance is not an assignment. Just like every person you meet is not your partner. Hmm. Because you dated them doesn't mean they're your destiny. When I was praying, I heard this this morning. Many times God is trying to show you your purpose. And it's not a problem that is blocking your vision. It's a person. Many times God is trying to show you your future. And it's not a problem that's blocking your vision. It's a person that's blocking your vision. Say these two words with me. Bad connection. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get thee out of your country and get away from your kindred or your kind and from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. Get away from your kindred, your kind, your lineage. Now, how many of you know when God says to leave something, he literally means... When God tells you to step away from something, he literally means step away from it. That was Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Look at verse 4. Three verses later. So Abram departed 
as the Lord spoke to him. He's doing right. And Lot went with him. Tell three people around you, uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 when he departed. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, listen carefully, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Now let me make sure we have this right. God told Abram, leave your country and leave your lineage, your family, your kindred, your kind. Three verses later, Abram leaves with his kindred, his lineage, his family, and his kind. The very thing that God told him to separate from is the very thing that followed him. When you get to verse 10, I'm not going to blame this on Lot because that would be unfair. But we start seeing some interesting characteristics concerning Abram just six verses later. Because now Abram is lying about his wife, saying that my wife is my sister. Compromise. Interesting. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't bring anyone with you that's your kind. He, he brings Lot, and by the time you get to verse 10, he's already compromising. Wow. When you go to chapter 13, verse 7, the Bible says now there was a strife between Abram's herdmen and Lot's herdmen. One chapter later, the guy he brought with him brought men with him. Those men are fighting with Abram's men. Everyone say competition. I've learned something in life. Be very careful with people that want to be with you that always want to compete with you. You can note them very easy. You start talking about how God's blessed you. And they start talking about with just a little bit more. It's almost like top the testimony time. You remember them old testimony services where somebody would stand up and say, the Lord delivered me from alcohol. And somebody stand up and say, the Lord delivered me from heroin. Somebody stand up and say, the Lord delivered me from heroin and alcohol. <laughs> Competition. Competition is never good. The Bible says there's strife between what belongs to Abram and what belongs to Lot. And the word strife literally means always a contest. We're talking about relationships this month. And I want to encourage you in something. If you are in relationship with people that are always trying to compete with you, you must question why they want to be in relationship with you. Jesus is the most interesting character in relation to relationships. He sends 72 people out two by two, connoting the idea that I don't want you going anywhere unless you have a partner with you. Because how can two uh, walk in agreement, right? Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Why? Because agreement is powerful. And agreement moves stuff. And agreement gives you an authority that you don't have by yourself. 
Are y'all in the building? So he says, sends them out 72, two by two. Then watch Jesus. He narrows them down to 12. And then he really has relationship with three. I don't know why people get so mad because they don't have 100 relationships in the church or in their life. Jesus showed us, really, you can only really handle about three close relationships. When you get beyond three really close relationships, uh, you have a challenge with time, energy. Are y'all with me? So Jesus gives this example, and even in the guys he chose, he goes to a city, and arguments will start about who gets to sit at the head of the table or who's going to be first in the kingdom. So this whole idea of competition didn't originate in the 21st century church. It originated way back in Genesis chapter 4. Well, you find a guy named Cable, Cain, Cable with a guy named Ain. Cain and Abel. One gives one offering, the other one gives another offering, and then the one that gives the other offering gets mad because God takes the last offering and he doesn't accept his offering, and he's asking God, is his offering better than my offering? And quarreling starts. It's competition from the get-go. And we thought dysfunctional families happened about a decade ago. Let me have, help you with it. We've been having dysfunction in families from the beginning of time. Back up to Genesis chapter 2, and the first two partners are already in a quarrel because one decides to go around the other based on you did not hear what you thought you heard. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? So there's all this dysfunction that we've been dealing with from the beginning of time. Whew. He who loves a quarrel loves sin. Proverbs 17, 19. He who builds a high gate invites destruction. Proverbs 28, 25. He that is of a proud heart stirs up strife. When you hear someone that's in relationship with you talking about that stuff all the time, guess who they're interested in? They sell. I don't like hanging out with people that don't ask me how I'm doing. Can I just get real? Every now and then it'd be good for you just to stop and say, now how are you? Go ahead and ask your neighbor, how are you doing? Just go ahead and ask them real quick, how, how are you doing? You hadn't asked them for about a week. So there's this unbelievable compromise there's this competition going on, all because Abram did not completely obey God concerning what? Relationships. So you tell me if relationships are important. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom, I heard one preacher say. And that same preacher said, relationships are the network of life. It's very important who you in relationship with. Amen. Genesis chapter 13, verse 7, the Bible says that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. What does the third thing tell us? That there's a confusion concerning authority because he is unequally yoked with somebody that's not supposed to be with him. So stuff that's not supposed to be living in their possession is living in their possession because he is hooked up with the wrong somebody. Some of you are wondering why stuff is not being brought to you. It's not the stuff that's the problem. It's who you are in covenant with that is keeping your stuff out of your life. Preach, Pastor Rick. And it's all because of a what? Bad Connection. I was thinking about bad connections this morning. You ever been on the phone with someone and you start, eh, what, eh? And you say, I can't hear you. 
You cutting out. And then what's the next verse? We must have a. Because when you have a bad connection, you can't hear clearly. Then the next thing we say is you must be in a bad area. Y'all not hearing me preach this morning. I'm trying to. What? You must be in a what? Bad area. Because I'm not hearing you good. Pay attention. When communication that ought to be clear is suddenly confused because somebody is living in a bad area. The next thing we say is we must have a weak signal. Which means one of us is far away from the source. One of us is not close to the tower. We are in a bad situation because I'm trying to hear you. And I used to could hear you good when you lived over there. But when you moved over there, now I can't hear you right. We have a weak signal because one of us has left a strong tower. And you're living in an area that you're not receiving signal real good. I'm not going to preach long, but I'm going to preach strong. And I'm going to let you know some of y'all need to check your relationships. There's a reason why you're not hearing them like you used to hear them. There's a reason why you're hearing every other thing and not everything. Because they in a bad area and you still where you always been. Living for God, worshiping the Lord, and you're wondering why the connection has gone bad. If you haven't moved, then you ain't got nothing to worry about. Touch your neighbor and tell them, check your connections. Check your connections. So I started looking. Oh, Lord, I'm trying not to preach hard, but I feel this thing here. I start looking at Lot and Abram, and I'm thinking, what is the differences in these guys? It's, it's already bad enough, Pastor Josh, that he disobeyed God. But now I start looking, okay, what's the big deal? First thing that stands out to me is we got one guy that loves altars, one guy that loves tents. Altars are permanent monuments that represent sacrifice and prayer. Tents are always transitory. They never plant. They just get up and move around. Abraham was a man of the altar. The Bible says in Genesis 12, 7, that the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, I will give this land. What's the next sentence? So Abraham built an altar to the Lord. Genesis 12, 8. And from there he went toward the hills east of Bethel. And the Bethel on the west, Bethel was on the west, Ai was on the east. There he built an altar. Verse 8, Genesis 12. Genesis 13, verse 4. Unto the place of the altar Abram went. He didn't only build the altar, but for every decision he visited the altar. He never made a move without going to the altar first. Never will you read these words, Lot built an altar. You'll never read that in scripture. So I started thinking, Abraham is sacrificial. Abraham is a worshiper. Abraham knows how to pray. Lot does not. And after an altar experience, Abram had to make a decision to separate himself from Lot. Listen to Pastor Rick. If they don't worship like you, I'm not talking about the act of worship. I'm talking about the discipline of worship. Because no two people in here praise the same. But honey, if I'm here every Sunday and I'm worshiping the Lord, don't question the depth of my praise by the actions of my body. 
I'm going to get some help in here in just a minute. But I'll be doggone. I'll be from Louisiana dead gone. If I'm going to keep hanging out with you and you don't visit the altar like I visit the altar. Now you ain't got to act like me when we get there. But I need to know you got an altar in your life like I got an altar in my life. I need to know you got a prayer life. I need to know you a worshiper. I know. I need to know you live a sacrificial life to the Lord. If not, I've got a question. Are we connected? Talk back to me. Some of y'all are trying to hang out with folks that are double-minded in all their ways. They can't make up their mind if they want to be a worshiper, be in church, praying, sacrificing, or if they want to live in the clubs, acting crazy, spending money everywhere. Find your connection. How? Ask them first thing. Are you an altar man? Preach, Pastor Rick. The second thing you have to ask yourself is where the heart is. What's your motive? Abram is a giver. Lot is a taker. I'm going to prove it to you. Get over one chapter, 13. Can I preach this whole word? I told you four hours and five minutes. It's not, watch what Abram says to Lot. It's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself. Please, somebody say it. From me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you depart to the right, I'll go to the left. I just need you away from me. You have been there with folks. I don't really care where you go, just... Just move. Watch verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered. Verse 11. Then Lot chose him the plain of Jordan. Abram said, take your pick. I'll take what's left. Now you know you're in a selfish relationship when the other person says, okay. The guy you go to lunch with and they come up and say, Can, who's going, is it Dutch? And he just looks at you like this. And then you say, I got it. He goes, thank you. And you've been to lunch with him 15 times. And he's never said, I got it. It's just an example. He chose immediately. He didn't even ask Abram, what would you like? I just know what I want. <laughs> watch this. Everyone say heart. heart. Motive. Motive. Yeah. Now watch this. Number three is faith. Abram lived by faith. Lot lived by sight. He lifted his eyes and looked for what was best and he chose it. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Abram was a man of faith. He's the father of what? Faith. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plain. He chose it. Sounds like Eve. And the woman saw the tree. Was good. Sounds like Achan. When Achan said, when I saw the spoils, I knew I wasn't supposed to take it, but I couldn't help but take it. Coveting, lusting, desiring, but not Abram. By faith, Abram. When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed God. He went out not knowing where he was going. But by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. He dwelt in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Can I get a witness in this room? It's not about what you own down here. Y'all ain't hearing me preach. The question is, do you know your inheritance after you leave here? Because if you know that, you don't really care who gets what. You just want to be in the middle of God's will and you live by faith and not by sight. When it don't look right, when it don't feel right, you know in your heart it is right because you live by faith. 
So be careful when you're in connection with people who are always competing, always quarreling, always choosing first, always selfish. Be careful when you're hanging out with people that the altar is not as primary in their life as it is in your life. Teaching good, Pastor Rick. Verse 9, Genesis chapter 13. It's not the whole land before you look at Abram. Separate yourself from me. Lot was a leaner. Abram was a lifter. Two kinds of people in the church. Abram's and Lot's. Leaners and lifters. Now I want to go to some Hebrew etymology with you because you need a proper understanding of our context. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost about to do something here. Listen to me carefully. When Abram told him, separate yourself from me, he's not telling him I want a divorce. Listen to Pastor Rick, and I'm going to prove that to you because in the end of the story, you're going to find reconciliation. Abram's going to actually help Lot at the end, but right now, we're not supposed to be right here together. Everyone say a season of separation. Paul even told the church at Corinth it's good for a husband and wife to separate for a season. Through mutual consent because familiarity is dangerous. Woo! Come on in the building. I didn't say it. Read your Bible. Paul said it's good for a man and a woman sometimes to be apart because they will learn to appreciate what God has blessed them with as a gift. But when you with it all the time, it becomes so familiar that you lose your respect and appreciation for it. So when he tells him separate, it literally means in the Hebrew, stretch to the point of being out of joint. I don't want you connected right here. I'm not asking you to leave my life. Y'all not hearing me. I'm not up here preaching to you, telling you cast people out. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you question the place where they are in your life. Everybody can't fit in the small circle called the inner circle of your life. That's why we have spatial relationships. And it gets dangerous when people that are supposed to be on the circumference are now in the nucleus. It's not divorce. It's separation. It's not that you need them out of your life. You just need them in another space in your life. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, Listen carefully, Genesis 13, 14. Listen to this. And the Lord said to Abram, say this word with me, after. After Lot was separated from him. Lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are. For all the land that you see, I'm going to give you. And to your seed forever. I'll stop. Many times God is trying to show you your purpose and it's not the problem blocking your vision. It is a person. He could never see where God was sending him until he told Lot, separate from me. Once Lot was separated from him, now he can receive his next instruction. Some of you are trying to hear from God and God's not going to tell you. Because if he told you, you would take them with you. So he's waiting for you to make a relationship move before he reveals to you your next instruction. You wonder what's next. And God's saying, I ain't telling you another thing until you get this entity away from you. The Lord spoke after Lot was separated from him. Then he said, lift up now your eyes from the place. Read it in Hebrew. 
place means not just from where you're standing, but how you are standing. Lift up now your eyes from how you are standing. Because you couldn't stand right as long as he was connected to you. Because he was selfish. Because he wanted it his way. Because he was always dragging you down. Because he was distracting you. He was depressing you. He was discouraging you. But now that you got him away from you, I can show you your next move. Some of you are wanting your next move, but you refuse to be responsible for the people in your life right now. God don't come in and put people around us and fix it. He brings them to us for us to discern who is assigned to our destiny and who is a distraction. He trusts you to handle that. So he didn't say anything to him until that happened. It has to do with the condition of your mind as well as the location of your feet from the place where you are. The condition of your mind, not the location of your feet. Preach, Pastor Rick. You can never receive your next instruction until you obeyed your last one. And the last instruction he received was leave your kindred. You didn't obey, so I ain't telling you nothing else. The moment you do what I told you to do, I'll give you your next word. I think I need to take a sila, and we need to think about that. I'm not telling you anything else until you obey the last thing I told you to do. Many people in this room are frustrated about their future, acting like God ain't speaking. God is waiting to speak. But he ain't saying another thing until you separate from people in your life that you know are not going the same way you're going. Praise the Lord, everybody. Now watch this. After he speaks to him, he says, now all the land that you see, I'm going to give it to you and your seed forever. If you can see it, you can have it. Hmm. I could not show it to you before because you could not see it. And the reason you could not see it is because of what you refused to separate from. First, God said, go to a land I will show you. Genesis 12, 1. Genesis 12, 7. Then God said, I will give it to you and your seed. Genesis 13, 15. Now he says, I will give it. No, Genesis 12, 7, I will give it to your seed. Genesis 13, 15, I will give it to you and your seed. That's powerful. Let me just end it like this. There are bad connections. There are wrong connections. What's the difference in a contact and a connection? I got a bunch of phone numbers in my phone. I have T.D. Jake's phone number in my phone. You think I call him? No, because when he gave it to me in a restaurant, I knew he wasn't saying call me tomorrow. Because we're going to be buddies. Because you have their contact does not mean you have that connection. I have a lot of phone numbers in my phone. That don't mean I'm connected to everybody in my phone. Some of you got your contacts and your connections messed up. Some people will always just be a contact and they're necessary. Because one day you might need them, but that does not mean God has assigned them to you as a connection. Some of you are trying to make connections with things that are too busy to allow you in their life. And you're frustrated with them and you ought to be frustrated with yourself. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. See, here's what I learned. Everybody wants to be the pastor's friend, but how am I going to be friends with every single one of y'all? Ain't going to happen. If we just took all the people in this building, I'd be able to meet with each one of y'all one time a year. Maybe, or a year and a half. Who knows? You got to be good with that. That means I have a connection every time I come and sit down in the place where God has assigned me. I say all the time, if the people would listen to the counseling from the pulpit, they wouldn't have to have counseling in an office. 
If you applied one-tenth of what you heard up here to your life, you wouldn't need five hours in an office back here. Just one-tenth. Like this word today. Get that devil out your life. Break that soul tie. Quit inboxing that girl. Is that plain enough for you? Leave people alone that you know are unhealthy for your destiny. That's simple. I don't need to give you 12 steps of why you should do it. You already know they ain't good for you. Just learn the art of saying goodbye. Learn the art of unfriending people that are unhealthy for your destiny. Lord Jesus. Can I read the text now? That was all introduction. And I'm being serious. We hadn't gotten to the text. The text is from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in, every, in the measure of every part makes increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. Huh. From whom the whole, who is whom? Jesus. The whole body is fitly what? Joined together. Every joint supplies. Every joint does what? Yeah. The word there means contributes. To stand beside you and furnish you with what you need to be a full supply to someone else. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10, our secondary text says that we are perfectly joined together. I wrote down this, this down this morning, perfectly joined together. You have found your fit when they can receive what you are supplying. Preach pastor. You are selfish to say, I want to fit in this body to see what I can get. Who's going to like me? What can I take? I am here today to see what I can receive. And there's nothing about that in all of Scripture. You will never find that in the New Testament. That you go to a family, you fit in the body to see what you can get. Every time Scripture talks about the body functioning properly, it's about you supplying something. Stop being a consumer because consumers get real selfish when they show up and don't get something. And they have to leave and they didn't take something with them. My Bible tells me an effective joint is one that supplies. One that contributes. So the question is, why are you here today? To see what you can take from Quest, whom Jesus is the head of this body? Or are you here to be a joint that can contribute and supply to someone you are connected to? Let me help you. Those of you there are those of you in this building say, I don't have no connections in this church. My Bible says, he that wants friends must show himself friendly. When is the last time you took somebody to lunch? Preach, bad boy. It's quiet in this sanctified church today. It's quiet in this building today. See, you got to quit making it about you. You have to start making it about us. How can I be a supply to you? How can I contribute to your life? Because if all of us get that attitude, there will be no lack in the body of Christ. And he says, Coach Chill, we all reach Perfection. Perfection is maturity. It's immature for you to think that I am here all the time just to see what I can take. The question is, what did you bring? God's good. 
The word literally means to be a dance leader. Where if you're going to be a dance leader, you need a dance partner. We dancing. The question is, are you on the dance floor? No, we dancing. The question is, are you following the lead? Don't make me salsa in the building. Can you follow the sick? Can you get with a partner? Folks, let me tell you, I'm very convicted about this. This is relationship month. God did not create one human being to be isolated. It was never his will. It was never his will for man to be alone. We are created for relationship. Stop, stop blaming everyone else for your lack of relationships. Amen. Amen. Get connected. How? By contributing. Get connected. How? By supplying. Abram told Lot, separate yourself from me. I'm not divorcing you. Come here, Christian. You're going to be Lot for just a minute. Just for a minute. I don't want you leaving my life. But I can't see where God told me to go because you're still here. I can't see my next possession because you still hanging out a lot. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I don't want to divorce you, but I need to separate from you. Go stand by that speaker. Because they probably need you over there. But right here, I've got to find something else. Are y'all in the building? Now here, here, here's, the here's the closing right here. Here's the closing right here. God never puts anyone in a body by accident. He sets every member in particular. You know what that means? He's choosy about where you sit. Woo! Preach, Pastor Rick. You know what it would be good? For you to stop sitting in the same seat every time you come to church. Boy, it's getting thick now, ain't it? When's the last time you met someone new in the house? Get your, get your bag, your purse, something like that, and everybody just move. Come on, let's just stand up. Let's see if we're going to be obedient today. Let's stand up and just move. Go, go sit by somebody else. Just go sit by somebody else. No one leave. This isn't, we're not, don't leave. Just sit by somebody else. Everybody move. Okay, now the closest seat to you, sit down right there. Just take a seat. Now I'm going to show you the power of this. I'm going to show you the power of this. Come on, Christian. Don't it look different? <laughs> it looks different now, don't it? Yeah. Okay, now let me show you the power of what just happened. Okay, everybody? Are y'all with me? If you are, say amen. amen. Here's the power of what just happened. Hitchcock, please stand. Now, as loud as that jacket is. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you. As loud as that jacket is, I did not know he was here. Now, why is that important to me? Here's why. I didn't know you were in the building today. Here's why that's important, because Kenny, where's Kenny? He moved too, right? There he is. Move from the front to the back. Stand up, Kenny. Kenny told me that Greg's really going through a lot right now. Didn't you, Kenny? Yep. And told me about your daughter and what's happening with your daughter. Now, I've been carrying that and tried to call you. I've been carrying that for three days, worried about you and your daughter. But I haven't been able to watch this. I haven't been able to connect with you. But now I am. Because I can see you. And all it took was what? One move. It took one move. All it takes is one move. Now lift your hands, Brother Greg. Stretch your hands this way. We speak to your daughter. We speak healing to her. 
I know the doctor said no hope, but we say total hope in Jesus' name. She shall live and she shall not die. Can y'all agree with me on that? Look at your neighbor and tell him that all it took is one, one move. I didn't know he was here. Now I do. One move. Have you ever thought about maybe being a supply to someone else for a while? That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Hi, Tia. I didn't know you were in the sanctuary today. Now I do. Why? One move. Separate yourself. Some of you got people in your life that you know. They are a distraction to you. They are continually pulling you down. And God's been dealing with you for months. Some of you for years saying, separate yourself from that. And you've refused to do it. But you want God to tell you your next instruction. Lift your hands. Today, the anointing breaks that yoke. Ooh, I feel that right there. The anointing breaks that yoke. There is a promised possession in your future that God is about to reveal to you. But you know, if you're in this building and you know that there are some moves and some relationships you need to make, I want you to stand up right now. You need to separate yourself from some stuff. Stand up right now. If, you, if that's you, please stand up right You need to make some moves. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Now I'm going to ask you to do the next thing and walk down here. Just walk to the altar. Come on, just walk down here. Walk down here. Hallelujah. Now, if you were just now sitting close to that person, Joe, come up here and stand by that individual. Come up here and stand by the person you were just sitting close to because now you are about to be a supply to them. Glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Glory to God. Listen, it ain't the devil keeping you out of this incredible destiny. You just got some wrong connections in your life. But God is about to cut those ties. God is about to move you in proper positioning. Lift your hands. If you were sitting by that person, lay your hand on them and begin to supply them with faith. Begin to contribute to their life right now. Pray for them. Pray for them. Hallelujah. We got one more thing to do, but I, I can't do this part for you. You got to do it for yourself. Pray for that person you're touching right there. Lord, bless them. Feel them fulfill them furnish them bless them we speak peace to them in the name of Jesus